Today is going to be an amazing day that will go down in infamy. What is that? What's that phrase? In- infamy? Infamy. I thought it was infamy. Infamy. You would think it's infamy. We're about to interview Caitlin Greer, one of the most amazing people we have ever met. She was born in the 20th century. Why did that say Caitlin <laughs> born, born in the 20th century? We, girl. Because she doesn't want to reveal her birthday. I know, but she looks so young. I know. Anyway, Caitlin Greer is an American actress and voiceover artist. Her voice was used in Rockstar Games' Bully as Beatrice. She is the narrator of the New York Times best-selling Hush Hush novel by Becca Fitzpatrick and the narrator of Karen Lynch's series, Relentless. Yes, the entire series except for Warrior. Which is narrated by Zachary Weber, who is hot. Mm -hmm. They, man, they do such a good job narrating together. Yes. So we listened to book five in the Relentless series of Haven, and we haven't done a review on it, but we fell in love with Caitlin, and we are wanting to cover every book that she has done now, because she's just a great narrator. Yes. And we're going to have tea parties with her. Yeah. We can't hold that in. (laughs) Well, we hope you enjoy our interview and fall in love with Caitlin as much as we did. Yeah. Enjoy. Welcome to Audio Shelf. A place where we take you on a fantastic journey through our audiobook adventures. I'm Brad. And I'm Brittany. And we are the voices in your head. Hi. Perfect. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm doing really well. Thank you. Thank you for coming on to our show. Yeah. Thank you for chatting with us. My pleasure. (laughs) So first things first, we want to get to know you a little bit better. So tell us about you. Oh, gosh, that's so (laughs) (laughs) open-ended. That's how we do it. (laughs) Yeah, well, I am a voiceover artist, and I'm a mom to an adorable three-year-old. I live in Brooklyn, and I'm a born and raised New York City kid. I actually grew up in the heart of the city. A lot of times when people hear me say that, they go, oh, so you grew up in, you know, the suburbs or outside the city, but I was actually in the thick of it uh, in Chelsea, right in the heart of the city. Nice. (laughs) Yeah. We want to live in Chelsea. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It was an amazing place to grow up. You know, my father's an artist, and um, I realize now as an adult what a unique upbringing I had growing up in Soho and the West Village and in Chelsea in this art community in the, not to date myself, but the 1980s and 90s, um, you know, which I'm so grateful for. Of course, the time when you're a little kid, this is just life. You know, you don't think about it in that way. But anyway, my husband and I are here raising our son now in Brooklyn Heights, and um, and he's a total city kid too. So um, I'm on to the second generation. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. So what got you into like narrating and acting and doing like video game voiceovers and everything? Sure. Yeah. So I, um, it's funny, you know, I went to a math and science high school actually where you had to take a test to get in and it was very um, STEM oriented, but I fell in with the theater kids and that was a game changer for me. And that became my 
extracurricular passion, although I kept up with all the math and science during the school day, you know, immediately at, you know, three o'clock or 320, whenever that last bell rang, we'd, you know, hustle down to the theater and it was a whole other world. And that was what led to me realizing that people actually do this for a career, which I know could sound funny because my dad's an artist. So why was that like a realization for me as opposed to just a given? But um, he's a visual artist and my mom's a nurse. And um, it wasn't until I was in high school that I really started to think about acting as a career choice. So when it came time to apply to colleges, I knew I wanted a school that had a strong theater program. And I went to Wesleyan in Connecticut, which is a fabulous school. The funny thing is, is that Wesleyan didn't teach voiceovers and most, even the strongest conservatory programs and performing arts programs don't. I'm not really sure why. Yeah. So I graduated and I was back in New York City and I wanted to be an actor any way that I could that didn't involve waiting tables because I had about a week long stint at that and discovered I was really not suited for it. (laughs) I started working with a wonderful agent who is still one of my agents to this day, which I know is unusual. And she was doing more of an on-camera focus, some voiceovers, but very uh, young talent focused. Because when I first graduated from college, I still sounded like I was 16. So I was doing all this high school stuff. Um, And she introduced me to the voiceover department at that agency where they said to me, you know, why aren't you doing voiceovers? And, And I said, well, I don't know anything about voiceovers, so I'll go take a class and then we can talk about it. And he said, you know, don't take a class, just do it. And a week later, I had booked my first job. So I really credit that first group of agents with hearing something in me that I didn't know enough to hear in myself. You know, I didn't even know what it was. So yeah, it really grew from that. And I'm incredibly grateful because... A, I mean, I love this art form and it's incredibly fulfilling, but B, because the group of colleagues that I have in the voiceover world, are they're so supportive. There's none of the cattiness and the judgment and the hyper-competitiveness that I found in other aspects of the entertainment industry. Um, we all really seem to have like gotten the memo that no one person's success precludes anybody else's success. And it's a really wonderful group to be working among. That's cool. It's kind of like community over competition type deal. Yeah. Or just this sense that at a certain point, you know, you set, you see the same group of people over and over again because you have a voice type. And when they're casting for that voice type, you're seeing the same 5, 10, 20 people, right? And you start to learn over the years. Some people will drop out, but the ones who hang in, like, I'm not any better than any of the rest of them, right? So if I'm the right sound for this job or, you know, this other person is or that other person is, it, okay, so whoever books the job buys lunch, you know? Like, <laughs> it's just a really great it's a really great crowd. And and you, in fact, you know, you guys, we met through one of those yeah. colleagues, Rebecca. Yeah. So I'm sure she could tell you the same thing. Yes. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> and also, I would probably just hang with them and not get any jobs and just have them pay for my lunches all the time. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> So let's talk about Haven. Sure. It's your most recent work right now, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we loved it, by the way. Thank yeah. you. I didn't know what to expect Mm-mm. from it just because I had no idea. But just listening to it and hearing both of the voices with, you know, male and yours was really, really cool. Mm-hmm. I really liked it. Yeah. And so you have narrated all of the books in the Relentless series, except for Warrior. Yeah, because Warrior was told from the Mm -hmm. point of view of the main male character. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us a little bit about the series? Because we've only read book five for 
I'm assuming it's a companion of the original trilogy. So can you tell tell us a little bit about the series and what got you interested in reading it? Sure. So that series is written by a wonderful author named Karen Lynch. The first three are told from the point of view of the main protagonist, Sarah. And then the fourth, which you're mentioning, Warrior, she flips Mm -hmm. and she tells from the perspective of... I don't want to spoil anything for people who haven't read it. So from the perspective of, of one of the main male characters and then okay. Haven, which is the one you guys listen to, is I think that's a nice way to put it, that it is a companion book. It is the next in the series chronologically. It takes place after what happened in the previous books, but it is also a, a companion in a way, again, without spoiling anything. Um, so I know it's a little funny for you guys to drop into the series five books in, but um, because it is a companion novel in that way, it does kind of stand alone also. Yeah. Um, and it is dual narration because there are two narrators. The chapters alternate. So one of them is male, and that was Zach Weber, who you guys heard on there. This is the, I believe, the second book I've narrated with two narrators. The other one was another female narrator, but the story is told in her present day and then also in flashbacks. And so I did the much younger version of her voice. It's interesting. I'm not in the studio with the other narrator. So, you know, it's not like I'm sitting there face to face with Zach while we do it. So in a lot of ways, it's the same experience for me as narrating a book where I do the full narration, although obviously faster. (laughs) So, you know, in that sense, sense that the experience in the moment of recording it isn't very different, but there's something really nice about sharing narration with somebody else because fans of my work who might not know his work or fans of his work who might not know mine now have exposure to a new narrator and, and mm-hmm. might go back and look at our earlier works or choose to listen to something we do in the future. So that aspect of it is really great. Yeah, yeah. that definitely happened with me. I was Googling you and I was Googling Zach and I was like, oh my God, Zach has read Colleen Hoover and you've done Hush Hush and, you know, all these different books that are on my list and books I've read before. So it's just awesome to have that connection. And I know that Brittany noticed that you have done some voiceover work for a game that she enjoyed. The Bully video game, which I like recently played. And when I found out that you were the voice of Beatrice, I was like, Wait a second. (laughs) So that was actually one of my favorite projects ever because, well, a couple of reasons. Because I got to do the motion capture for Beatrice, not just her voice. Oh, my gosh. That's so cool. Which was so fun. Oh, my goodness. I would love to do more of that. You know, we went in and you get in the suits just like you see the behind the scenes stuff, you know, like from Lord of the Rings and all. That's how most people Mm -hmm. think of it. You know, you get into the suits with the little reflective balls all over you that the computers pick up. You know, we act out the scenes and they're recording a rough track, you know, of our voices while we're doing that. But then they animate to the motion capture and you go back in the studio and you record a final version of the VO to your character's animation. So you get to be part of the process through, you know, multiple steps, which as a voiceover artist, usually you just go in for this one moment in this longer process. So that was really cool about it. And Beatrice was so much fun because she's very different than I am in a lot of ways. Yeah. Physically, you know, I mentioned I went to this math and science high school. So I, Mm -hmm. you know, her nerdiness, that was not foreign to me. But (laughs) but um, (laughs) but her physicality was very different than mine. Yeah, because she like kind of hunched over and like walked and just didn't know what to do with her limbs. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So being able to embody a character that moved so differently than I normally do, and then seeing how the 
animation artists animated her. You know, she doesn't look anything like me, but now she moves with my movements and she sounds like me. And it was this huge collaborative process that was wonderful. And of course, ends with the, you know, the cherry on the Sunday that I, w- I won an IGN award for that video game. So wow, I didn't even realize that. That's really, really awesome. Thanks. Yeah. So all together, I'm so, it's so great that you mentioned that because it's one of my favorite projects. <laughs> yeah, 100%. It's one of my favorite games. And I played it so much later than when it came out. I played it, I think, last year. It still holds up. So that's really, really neat. Yeah. But going back to Haven really quick, because I wanted to say for the um, dual narration, because in Haven, they have the scenes where Emma and Roland will be together and then they'll switch perspective between each one. I really liked your voice for Roland, but when Zach would do Emma, I was like, he doesn't really hit it as as well as I thought. <laughs> so like your voice for Roland was great. Thank you. Well, so I had a little bit of an advantage there because Roland appears in the first three books. Mm. So I'd been voicing Roland, you know, Zach sort of inherited him from me. Yeah. Um, I'd been, <laughs> I'd been him voicing pointed. him for years. I did have an advantage in that sense. But, you know, I think that's one of the things that comes up in conversation with audiobook listeners a lot is the way narrators will narrate will voice characters of the opposite gender. Mm-hmm. And and I find that that is such a personal listener-to-listener experience. Somebody could love the way one narrator does that and another listener could hate the way that same narrator does it. It's fascinating to see how personal those experiences become. And, you know, the same thing is true of accents. Some listeners are, they just want to hear a hint of an accent. Some listeners want it full-on thick. You know, some listeners are from wherever that accent is from and are therefore going to be even harder to please. So it's it's so subjective. And, and it's also really an intimate experience, which I think we don't always talk about so much with audiobooks. But, you know, those listeners are are inviting me to literally be, you know, whispering in their ear, you know, and sometimes it's a time when you're alone, you know, you're in your car or, you know, before you're falling asleep at night or, you know, wherever else. It, it can be a very intimate experience for a listener and therefore people's opinions are strong. It can become heated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was a really great fit between you and Zach with, with the characters. I thought they, I thought you both fit each of them perfectly. Mm-hmm. And what was the um, difference between narrating Sarah and giving her her own characterization through voice and then coming in with Emma as a main character? So, you know, it's funny. I tease Karen about this a little bit because when you find out that a book is going to feature or be narrated in the voice of a more minor character from a previous book, as a narrator, the first thing I think is, oh, gosh, I really hope I chose a voice for her that I can sustain (laughs) for an entire book. Right? Because when you're choosing a voice for a character that shows up in a few scenes, you can make wilder choices than if you need to sustain that over an entire book. So when I see that, because I don't get any warning, you know, the script shows up in my in my inbox, here you go. So when I see that, that's my first thought is, oh gosh, what, what voice did I choose for her and can I do this for a whole book? Um, in Emma's case, I got lucky. I could, so that was fine. <laughs> you know, the characters of Emma and Sarah are very different. I conveyed that in my choice for Emma back in the original, the first time she appears. And so I was able to continue that in Haven. And what's nice about that is that when Sarah shows up in some dialogue in Haven, there was enough of a distinction, right? Because when you're narrating, usually the voice you choose for the narrator is your most natural voice because you're going to sustain that for the whole book. So when you get one of these spin-offs or companion books, that is no longer the case. (laughs) 
So yeah, it's, it can be tricky. But in this case, I got lucky. So out of all the books in the series, which one has been your favorite to record? Oh, gosh. And do you have a favorite character as well? That is a really tough question. I really liked the second book. I had a chance at that point to settle in with the characters a little bit. You know, I'd hung out with them through a whole first book and now we were having our reunion. So that for me makes it a more pleasant experience. I was a little more settled in with the characters, but it also had the benefit of this growth. You know, the plot progressed. You guys haven't listened to it yet, but you will. The plot progresses and also the characters experience some pretty intense growth in that second book. So that one was probably my favorite. And in terms of favorite character, you know, my answer is that I always fall for the narrator because I'm in her head. It's her emotions that I'm feeling. You know, it's her innermost thoughts that I'm expressing. And, you know, hand in hand with that, I end up falling for her love interest and disliking her enemies. I mean, I don't (laughs) mean to sound cliche, but that's just sort of how it works. (laughs) No, we totally understand that. And we end up falling for their love interest as Mm -hmm. well. Don't tell my husband. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it's okay. I always have to tell my boyfriend. I'm like, I'm listening to a book today. So can you go in the other room? <laughs> <laughs> I'm listening to Roland today. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so when you're in the studio and recording, there was a moment in Haven where I think Emma was eating cookies. And so you kind of had this voice where you had cookies in your mouth almost. When that happens in a book, are you directed to do that? Or is that kind of like you freestyling a little bit? That was definitely a choice that I made. I didn't have specific direction from the author on that, you know, whereas I might get specific direction from an author that a character has to have a certain accent or, you know, certainly we pick up clues in the text about that kind of stuff. And I work with an engineer, so I don't engineer my own audiobook. So I do have somebody else there to bounce those ideas off of and who would hopefully tell me if I made a choice that was just absolutely disastrous. <laughs> when I make a choice like that, sometimes I'll try it and then I'll pause and I'll say to him, did that, I was about to say read, which is funny, did that read okay? Did that listen okay? <laughs> you know, should we try that again? And and he'll give me his feedback. So it's actually nice for me to hear from you that something like that worked because, you know, it's a little bit of a risk. You could play it safer and just read it straight through. Yeah, I really liked it because I was like, I want cookies now because <laughs> Emma's eating cookies. Product placement. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Chips Ahoy did not sponsor this. <laughs> so you have done a lot of different kinds of genres out there. What is your favorite to record? I don't think I have a favorite because good material is good material. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't really matter to me what the genre is as a narrator. As a reader or a listener, I tend to really love sci-fi. So I guess it's not surprising that I get hired to narrate all of this paranormal YA romance stuff. (laughs) So for example, I haven't done a whole lot of nonfiction. I would love the opportunity to do nonfiction. I think that'd be fun, especially if it were a subject that was of interest to me. (laughs) I will say that certain things are harder (laughs) than others. And this is something I tease Karen about also because she does everything that makes a book harder to narrate. Basically, (laughs) the things that will make it harder, invented languages, uh, foreign languages, Lots of accents, especially if there are lots of people with different accents in conversation with each other all at the same time. So, you know, that's Karen's books are chock full of that, but we just roll with it. You know, she and I made a really in-depth pronunciation guide when we did the first one so that I made sure that I was matching what she had in mind. And um, we actually handed that off to Zach, I think, when he did Warrior so that he had all our notes. You do the best you can with it. And, and for me, 
you know, the biggest pressure or, or responsibility in all of this is that you want to stay true to the author's vision, right? This is a gift for an author to give a narrator her book to narrate, that that's a gift to give somebody else your art and trust them with it. So the more I can communicate with the author and make sure that I'm staying true to what he or she wants, the happier I am. It sounds like you have a great relationship with Karen. That happens to be a particularly nice relationship. You know, for a long time, pre-social media, and again, not to date myself, but pre-social media, narrators and authors were really kept in isolation from one another. We were on different parts of this process and we didn't really have any contact. Most of my early books, I didn't have any contact with the authors. The first author I really had contact with was Becca Fitzpatrick on the Hush Hush series, which you mentioned. Karen has a a tremendous social media presence. I don't know if you guys have followed her or looked up her group or anything, and she has welcomed me to participate. And her fans are some of the most wonderful, encouraging, supportive fans. I mean, her community, it's really unique among audiobook fan communities. And they are so welcoming to me and excited to hear what I'm up to. And so she and I have really built a relationship because of that. I think before social media, I don't know that any of that would have been as possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you were talking a little bit about the process. What is your process for going into an audiobook uh, narration, going into the booth? I get the script or the book. In my mind, it's a script. And I read the whole thing once through first because I need to know who these people are and where the story is going to make the best choices. I know not all narrators do that. Some like to just keep it fresh in the moment and they don't pre-read. That would make me too nervous. I like to read the whole book first. You know, as I'm reading, I'm taking note of any clues that I'm given in the text by the author. So if it mentions that somebody has an accent, obviously gender is part of it. If it mentions that somebody speaks very aggressively or has a fast pace or anything like that, that's a clue that I can pick up from the text. Also, I'm looking out for where one character might say something about another character. There are a lot of great clues there where it might not explicitly be in the description, but one character might say, you know, could you slow down? You're always talking so quickly. I'm having trouble following you. Well, if I get to that on page 60, I now have to go back to page one and mark in everywhere that this character is is speaking quickly. I'm also noting anything that I'm going to need help with the pronunciation on. So if it's not an invented word, if it's a word in English or, or another known language that I can look up myself, I do. Sometimes I might have to ask somebody who's a native speaker of another language if I need some guidance on that. And then if it's something that's invented, that's when I go to the author. Also for pronunciation of names. So um, for example, in Karen's books, you know, one of the main male characters she specifically instructed me to pronounce his name Nicholas. I was wondering. I was, I was wondering, wondering that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not clear, right? He's Russian, could be Nicholas, could be Nicholas, could be Nicholas, you know, a lot of choices. So that's where I want her to tell me specifically so that I know I'm doing what she heard in her mind when she was writing it. I'm also going through and I'm highlighting every character's dialogue in a different color. So every time Sarah speaks, it's purple. Every time Nicolas speaks, it's orange, whatever colors I choose. You know, in a book with a lot of characters, by the end of it, you know, that page looks like, you know, confetti. It's all different colors. (laughs) But what that allows me to do is 
switch character voices quickly and efficiently while I'm in the booth without having to stop, which I find saves me a lot of time. I happen to be a relatively quick narrator in terms of when you talk to narrators about how many hours they spend recording versus how many finished hours of book they they put out into the world. My speed in the booth is pretty fast, and I think that's a big part of it because I have this really, I put my time in on the prep. So I'm not taking as much time in the booth. Pre-iPads, you know, now this is all done on the iPad. Before that, when I used to get actual paper scripts, I invented like a system of these complex, I can't even tell you, each character had a different like symbol. So the, the main narrator, all of her dialogue would be in like parentheses and then the next character, everything would be in brackets. But you run out of sort of those typical symbols pretty quickly so then somebody would be getting like a zigzag line and somebody else would be getting a spiral and you know that was a whole I don't even I don't have any of those pages left lying around but man (laughs) if you had seen that you know when I booked my first audiobook I I had never taken a class I didn't know anything about audiobooks I didn't have any colleagues at that time who were audiobook narrators so I had to invent it for myself and I'm definitely the kind of person who says yes and figures it out that's my that's always how I've been that is definitely how I am so it's like oh can you do audiobook narration absolutely you know and and oh can you do an Australian accent uh-huh yeah no problem you know <laughs> yeah. so. I mean it seems to be working <laughs> thank you thank you so anyway, I figured it out. Well, I don't know if my system, I say that because I describe this whole system to you and then another narrator might say, my system is nothing like that. You know, I, I don't know if anybody does it the way I do it, but this is just what works for me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, everything, everybody is very different. And so it gets you the end product that is like very successful because the ratings on the trilogy and then Warrior and then Haven are just phenomenal. I mean, it, it doesn't get any better. So mm-hmm. so you can tell Karen's community and her all of her fans, they really enjoy this series. <laughs> They're amazing. You guys should join her, her fan group. It's called We Are the Mohiri. And right. they are just an amazing group. I was really, they blew me away. I thought yeah. I was going to join the group. You know, this is funny. I tell this story. I thought I was going to join that group and lurk, right? Because, again, social media newbie, I like, you know, I don't even know what I'm doing. And I join the group. And I think I'm just going to, like, lurk. And, of course, I get outed maybe within 30 seconds of joining oh, wow. the group. of like, guys, you're never going to guess who's joined us. It's the narrator, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, man, now I'm in for it. But I have to say, they were all so welcoming and so supportive and so excited to have me there. And, and it really... It blew me away because being an audiobook narrator can be sort of an isolating art form. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm at home prepping my script by myself. I'm in the booth by myself. I have that engineer on the other side of the glass, but it's a soundproof booth, right? That's the whole point. So he's out there. I'm in here. And and at best, it's just the two of us anyway. And you send off this finished product and, and that's it. It goes out into the universe. So, you know, I sort of do my part in a little bit of a vacuum, if you will. Mm -hmm. And so suddenly being connected to this group of fans was an amazing experience for me because it, it removed that piece of how many artists create their art in total isolation. I mean, I think a big part of art is the experience of interacting with a community or an audience. And I've now had access to that, which is, Mm -hmm. it's so great. It's really fulfilling. That's cool. Yeah. So being a part of the audiobook community, it's a very small community from, from what we've been able to kind of tell from. So what would you say to those people who think or say that listening to audiobooks is not the same thing as reading actual books? 
Okay, so this is really funny to me because, first of all, who benefits from us trying to judge or limit anybody's access to art or literature ever? Like, mm-hmm. what, what is to be gained? <laughs> That's my first question <laughs> to that. It's like, I don't even understand right? why why you would want to make that statement because it, it's not benefiting you to pass that judgment and it's not benefiting the person that you're judging. So, so I don't get it is my first mm-hmm. response to that. And then immediately following that, I think of Homer's Odyssey and Iliad. And I think about somebody listening to a modern day audiobook recording of a printed book translation of what started as an epic poem that was probably an oral tradition originally, right? And like, think about how many steps removed we are to that from that, right? But do you want to tell me that somebody listening to an audiobook of the Iliad or the Odyssey is not having a, an experience of that art form? I mean, it's just. To me, it feels like a modern day, like somebody's drawing a line in the sand and it's arbitrary. Mm-hmm. Like as much as I could, I could look at you and say, you know, you're not really getting the experience of the Iliad because you're not listening to somebody narrate it as an epic poem if you're reading it in a book, right? Just the way you could say, well, you're not getting the real experience of reading the book if you're listening it to on audio. It's it's arbitrary. It's a line in the sand and I, I don't think it benefits anybody. Yeah, that's a really good point. I love your answer. Yeah, <laughs> that's the best answer ever. <laughs> we, just, we just have a lot of friends who kind of say, you know, it's not the same thing. You have to build the own, your own characters in your head and the voices that you use have to come from you. And we just can't disagree no. with that more. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I also think it is a little bit of a, a privileged statement, right? Because there are people who get access to literature through audiobooks who wouldn't be able to get it in print in a book. You know, exactly. somebody whose eyesight isn't good enough or who has a, a you know, a language processing disorder like le- dyslexia or something like that. So, you know, again, I, I just don't think anybody benefits from limiting anybody else's access to any art form, including yeah. literature. And that's what I want. I want that on a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> that is my gift to you. <laughs> so we want to play a little game with you just at this midway point. Sure. Um, so we are going to list off some literary book characters for you. And we have some quotes that we would like you to say in your impression of their voice, how you would narrate them <laughs> and how you would say this quote. Speaking of multiple steps removed from the original yes. presentation. Exactly. Exactly. It all, it all goes hand in hand. <laughs> all right. So the first one is Hannibal Lecter. And we want you to say, um, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Oh, my goodness. Of all the two things to combine, first of all, you can't do better than the film delivery of, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Um, Okay, boy. Um, Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. (laughs) I love it. Yeah, very good. So the next one we have is Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh. Do you watch RuPaul's Drag Race by any any chance? I don't. (laughs) Well, RuPaul says this very famous quote. If you can't love yourself, how the hell are you going to love somebody else? Can I get an amen? All right. Well, so let me lead you in with a little actual Eeyore. That'll help me get into the, let's see. Don't bother. It's just going to fall off again anyway. If you can't love yourself, how are you going to love anybody else? Can I get an amen? <laughs> I love it. Oh Hearing my goodness. Eeyore, I mean, if you ever get a chance to watch RuPaul's Drag Race, then 
imagining ER in the panel of judges is fantastic. Yes. <laughs> I used to watch a lot more TV before I had a kid. I'll tell you. Yes. There's there not enough hours in the day. That's what we've heard, too, from our friends. Yes. <laughs> so the next one is uh, Nancy Drew. And then we want you to say, oh, look, another glorious morning makes me sick from, of course, Hocus Pocus. <laughs> Oh, look, another glorious morning makes me sick. <laughs> oh, my God. You actually sounded like Nancy Drew. I played the video games and that actually sounded like her. <laughs> I used to so love weird. those books as a kid. Oh, man. Yeah, we had those in elementary school. We were Those were our book reports. Yeah. <laughs> They're so dated now. I mean, if you try to read them now, they seem so dated. But at the time, I loved them. <laughs> now, have you ever heard of True Blood? Yes, the books and okay. the TV show. But and, okay. I, I've only watched an episode or two. Okay, so Sookie Stackhouse from the books, Southern Bill. And can you say, welcome to Good Burger, home of the Good Burger. Can I take your order? Welcome to Good Burger, home of the Good Burger. Can I take your order? <laughs> Love Dang, it. Girl, you got them all. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for playing that game. This is like a really, like, put your voiceover artist on the spot game, you guys. I gotta tell yeah. you. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to play a game with a voiceover artist, then I think that's the one to play. <laughs> so following all of those um, glorious interpretations of those characters, what is next for you? What's happening in the new year and beyond? Well, one of the fabulous things about my career is that you never know what's coming until it's here. You know, I wasn't kidding when I said, like, literally, I'll get an email in my inbox from Audible that says, we have a new book for you to narrate. And there it is. You know, so I don't know what's coming in the new year is one answer when it comes to audiobook narration. I am working on a project of my own, which is incredibly energizing, where I've been interviewing other artists across multiple genres who do more than one thing. So what I mean by that is, you know, in addition to my voiceover work, I also run a private tutoring and educational consulting practice. A lot of times, you know, people's sort of automatic response to that is to say, oh, so your tutoring supports your acting habit. When in fact, it was my voiceover money that provided the seed capital for me to launch my company. And I think that there are these myths that artists internalize as objectively true that don't free us. They don't help us create our best art. So I think it really is beneficial to have a conversation and start to question, well, why do I believe that myth is objectively true? Like, where did that come from originally? And these are ideas like you have to have a soul-sucking day job that you hate. Um, you have to have a plan B to fall back on when you inevitably abandon your art. If you do more than one thing, you will be perceived as less dedicated to your art because you also do this other thing. You know, those are so limiting. They don't free us. And anyway, so I've been conducting this series of interviews with, you know, 30 or 35 other amazing artists who are multi-passionate people who pursue more than one thing. And, you know, Brittany, I'm going to put you on the spot because I know from Facebook that you're also a photographer. So here, <laughs> here we are. This is a beautiful example. Right. And you can edit this out yeah. if you didn't want me to say that. But oh, no, no, I don't. I don't care. <laughs> you know, but here's a beautiful example of what I'm talking about. You are a podcast host and you are a photographer and doing one does not make you any less dedicated to doing the other. I imagine. I mean, I don't mean to put words in your mouth. No. When you were going through all three of those things that you listed, I was sitting there like checking them off in my head. Like I have thought that I have heard that I 
am experiencing that currently. Yeah. You know, and Brad, you and I aren't Facebook friends yet. I actually just sent you a friend request, so I don't know what else you do besides this podcast, but I'm sure you do something else too, right? Because this is the world we live in and why not, right? Why do we need to limit ourselves? So I've interviewed these other artists who just have, you know, incredible stories from, you know, an actor who goes into, you know, the prison system into juvenile detention centers and works with youth there to professional modern dancer who is also a chemist, you know, I mean, just incredible stories. So you ask what's that's what's top of mind when you say, what are you working on now? Because it's a project of my own, but, but it's been incredibly energizing and started all these really interesting conversations. And, you know, the future of those interviews, it's probably going to go in a few different directions. Maybe it will be a podcast. I I, you know, I don't know. Maybe it will be a book. Maybe it will be a a, a series of blog posts. I don't really know, but it's going to be cool, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. should do all of those things. Yeah, all of the above. <laughs> because all the above. <laughs> that sounds really, really neat. And there's a lot of people in like the creative community that I think would benefit from your interviews and just your perspective of the creative community, basically. Thank you. And you know, what's really cool about it is that, you know, some of the people I interview are household names, people whose names you would absolutely recognize, but you don't necessarily stop and think about all the things that they're doing. You only think about the one that gets them into your household, you know, it makes them a household name, you know, and then some of them are, you know, this thriving middle class of artists that we support our families this way. You know, this is, we support our families with our art and the multiple avenues that we explore. And anyway, I'll keep you guys posted because I think it's going to be really exciting. Definitely. Yes. Yeah. So we have enjoyed so much talking with you today. It's been a complete pleasure and we thank you for coming on to our show. And we usually have this like ritual with all of our interviewees where we ask them to say one sentence for us in their favorite voice. Do you think you can do that for us? Of course. Awesome. If I could do all the fictional characters, that, you know, <laughs> know this right? is, is going to be easy. This will be easy. So saying thank you for listening to Audio Shelf, that would be the sentence. Thank you for listening to the Audio Shelf. Thank you. Ooh, that was, oh, I that love was it. nice. Yeah. Smooth. Very smooth. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love it. I could sell you something with this voice. Yes. You definitely could. <laughs> so also knowing that you know Rebecca... Next time we're in New York, we all need to get together and have a little tea party. I would love that. I would absolutely <laughs> love that. We have plans. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if Rebecca knows, but we have plans. I'm, I'm on board. You tell me when. Oh, awesome. Perfect. Ah. I'm actually, you know, it's funny when you talk about what else have you done, you know, when you said, who is Caitlin Greer? And I gave you sort of a, picked a few things to mention, but I actually used to run a tea company. So, oh, <laughs> so you picked what? the right thing with tea. Um, and I actually well. also used to be a photographer, Brittany. So we have a lot oh we can talk goodness. about. There is so much to Caitlin. Yes. (laughs) I used to, you know, this is funny. I started as a photographer because I was doing headshots for other actor friends, right? But then I got into shooting photographs for people's online dating profiles. You want to talk about a niche. That is Um, a niche indeed. (laughs) So I was in this whole world of matchmakers and dating coaches sending me their clients and shooting people's photos. And now I see those, sometimes those people go by totally coincidentally, like on my Facebook feed, and I see them with their partners and their children and their lives. And that's so cool. That's so fulfilling. So yeah, Mm -hmm. because one of the first things that they saw was your picture that you took of them. (laughs) 
So again, this is probably all why this this project about you know artists being multi passionate is is so mm-hmm. near and dear to me. But yeah, that's, awesome. that's really really cool. And Although this, I would never yeah. do weddings like you do because that's way too high stress for me. I never <laughs> shot weddings. I was like, you know what? Because what if I don't feel well? I I can't make it. I know well, that was way too much stress. Yeah, it's like always <laughs> overdosing on Dayquil and just. <laughs> Airborne all the time. <laughs> and the wedding hangover is real. It's like you don't drink on when you're working, but as soon as you come home, you you feel like you were just out for hours and hours and hours of a party that you didn't get to participate in. <laughs> you still feel tired. More power to you because that was that was not my – I can never bring myself to do that. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much. And – we really appreciate you coming on to the show. My yes, pleasure. Not a problem. It's my pleasure. And uh, and if you guys really do get to New York, I would love to get together. That sounds like so much fun. Awesome. Oh, yeah. Thank Definitely. you. Definitely. All right. You. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Have a good weekend. You too. Well, where do we start? Because that was amazing. I am on a high right now. Yeah. I just feel like I can do anything because <laughs> Caitlin is with us. Um, Kaylin, we are, we really apologize for nonstop smiling because that's how happy you made us feel. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for sitting with us on a Friday afternoon and just hanging out and talking about audiobooks. Yes. And everything else. And everything else she does. She's like Wonder Woman. I, yeah. She should have been cast as Wonder Woman. I mean, when she said the tea and then she said photography, I was like, that is five yes. things. <laughs> I wanted to ask if she was a therapist. <laughs> she probably is. <laughs> she probably is. We should see her. Are you a therapist? I need a therapist. Do you need a, yeah. The therapist needs a therapist. We both need therapists. We're sitting on a couch right now, Caitlin. Come back. And I love how she talked about her basement. Like yeah. she was like, it looks like one of those body wrap things. I was like, oh we're in a creepy basement. We're definitely a creepy basement. Oh, thank you so much for coming on to our show, Caitlin. And we want to thank our listeners for hanging in there with us while we interview one of the best people ever. Yeah. And for our listeners, if you want to hear more of Caitlin, please go and pick up the Relentless series. One of the best. One of the best. Paranormal YA books I've ever read. Yeah. And we've only read the fifth one. Yeah. All of the other ones have just as amazing reviews. Out of five reviews, most of them have 4.4 or, or higher. Yeah. And please go to our website to click on the Audible affiliate link to subscribe to a 30-day free trial on Audible, and you can get two free books. Two free books? Two free books for the price of free, and those two books can be Caitlin Greer books. Yes, and Karen Lynch. And Karen Lynch books. Oh my goodness. I want to meet Karen. Me too. She sounds like a phenomenal author and a friend. Be our friend, Karen. Yes, she does sound phenomenal, and I definitely want to join the group. Oh my god, I'm joining the group right now. I know, doing it in my brain. And please do not forget to subscribe to us on iTunes Podcast, Google Play Music, and Stitcher. Also, you must like us on Facebook at Audio Shelf and follow us on Twitter at Audio Shelf Me. You have to. If you don't, we'll find you. Yeah, we'll find you. We will find you and we will make you read our books. Yes, this is what happens when you have Brad be threatening. <laughs> we will find you and steal your headphones. <laughs> and throw them on the ground. All right, well, that about does it for us. Bye. Bye. This has been Audio Shelf, where we release new episodes every Monday. If you want to stay updated, listen to previous episodes, or suggest audiobooks for us to feature, visit us at audioshelf.me. We are Brad and Brittany. Thank you for listening. I love
love her. I love her. I too. love her. She's amazing. <laughs> she was the best person in the world. Like her and Rebecca. I can. Oh, ah, my brain. My brain, my right brain hurts. Like it's. 